emergency goalies. And wow, <laughs> has there been a lot of news in the last week? I mean, I guess we'll get off to the to the very beginning that on the draft day, the Blackhawks traded their first round pick to get Seth Jones. The rumors were true. And they gave him a very big contract extension, like one of the biggest for a defenseman in the league. And it was um, controversial. So I guess I'll just give it to you right here. And what do you think of this big move the Blackhawks made? Well, first off, I think it's certainly a bold move. Um, One that I certainly questioned when it initially happened, not so much because I think Seth Jones is a bad player, but it was the sort of move where they were giving up an awful lot of future resources to secure a top pairing defenseman, which they absolutely needed. We've talked many times, Hawks are not going to compete until they get at least two to three, you know, legit top pairing defensemen. Seth Jones certainly has that capability, even though he had kind of a rough year last year, but at, you know, 26, 27 years old, he's still got hopefully three, four five good years left in him um, before he kind of hits that natural early thirties decline phase um, for most defensemen. Obviously, with his eight-year contract extension on top of the fact that he still had one year left on his current deal means that he has signed for nine more years, which brings him, I think, to his age 35 or age 36 season, which is awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the last three years, maybe four years of that contract are going to be essentially an, uh, another Seabrook deal. Mm-hmm. But... For those next three, four, or five years, he gives the Blackhawks a legitimate opportunity to move up in the standings, accelerate this re- rebuild. Um, my one concern when this deal went down, or I shouldn't say my one, my biggest concern when this deal went down was, okay, getting this guy gets you closer to playoff contention, but you are still nowhere near cup contention. No. And if you're betting all this money and all these resources on these next three to five year window, how are you going to take that next step? And it wasn't so long after this deal where we're kind of seeing how the Blackhawks feel they're, they're going to try and make a move here. And, you know, the first step was getting Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing. Literally nothing other than a nothing prospect who wasn't even going to make the Rockford roster this year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get the reigning Vezina winner. There is obviously some concern with Mm -hmm. not just his age where, you know, I mean, he's 36, I think. And so even though he is coming off a tremendous season, at that age, it it can it can go anytime. 
You know, I mean, he could go from being a great goaltender to being an average or below average at the drop of a hat. Obviously, so, obviously, there's goalies that have been played until they're in their 40s. Right. That have been good. So it is possible. It is possible. Yeah. And, you know, he's a highly athletic goaltender. He's always been in tremendous shape. I, I feel pretty confident he can at least be good next season, if not potentially still even great. But, you know, there is that risk attached to him. Mm-hmm. But of course, the biggest part of this is does Marc-Andre Fleury actually want to play for the Blackhawks? Mm-hmm. He was the face of the Vegas franchise, kind of their first big player. Um, you know, he's always been a beloved player throughout the league, um, not just by fans, but by players and coaches and executives throughout the league. Everybody respects this guy a ton. He seemed to have found a home in Vegas. He's got a young family doesn't necessarily want to uproot them. He yeah, seen... And there was, um, I was going to say too, they were talked that, that Vegas, like, you know, GM and others had assured him that he could stay with them as long as he wanted. And, right. You know, this kind of, you heard reports like he was blindsided by this. I don't know if that's true, but. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll never really know the truth there, but you know, it's up to the Blackhawks to kind of convince him if possible, you know, I mean, obviously it's going to be up to him. If he doesn't want to uproot his family, he doesn't want to be away from them. You know, he can very easily call it a career, mm-hmm. probably be on his way to the hall of fame, you know, without, without too much, you know, issue. I, I, I total respect to the guy. He, he doesn't owe the Blackhawks anything, but at the same time, you know, he still does seem to have game left in him i think he does want to continue to play there are um goaltending records that he is within reach of if he continues to play for you know two three more years that might be appealing to him do you think they would consider like the blackhawks would try to offer him an extension of some sort like throw him I extra think they, money i i think they would be willing to to do that and say hey you know maybe you aren't going to be able to finish your career in Vegas, but we'll sign you to, you know, a two-year extension or whatever and give you an actual no movement clause. I mean, you know, I mean, Bowman has no issue giving out no movement clauses. So um, I definitely, I think that's on the table from the Blackhawks perspective, because it's not like Kevin Lankinen is guaranteed anything. I mean, he's a free agent at the end of this year, just like Fleury is. So the Hawks can, you know, decide if Flurry's going to be their guy, they can just move forward with him and, you know, can, you know, maybe even still pair him with Lankinen if, mm-hmm. if they want and want and are willing to resign him. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I think it probably leads into some of the moves that they've continued to make here where, you know, well, the longer you, the longer it goes without him coming out and like saying I'm retiring, mm-hmm. it's probably a good sign. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, the other piece of this is, you know, does he just go to the Blackhawks and say, hey, you know, this is nothing against you guys, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe I want to go back to Pittsburgh or maybe yeah. I want to go here or maybe I want to go there. And I do think the Blackhawks would accommodate him if possible. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. going to, you know, attach 
um, no. uh, value to him, you know, to, in order to move that contract. But if, if it's at all possible, just like they did with Duncan Keith, I mean, they didn't, they obviously did not hamstring themselves to move him, but they got it done. And I think it's very possible that they could do the same with, with flurry if that is his desire. But, you know, in the meantime, they keep making moves. They keep mm-hmm. improving the roster. And, you know, yeah, it's kind like of hard said, to, they'll yeah. try to try to make sense of it. I think we'll just, I'll go from like the biggest names down. So, um, Tyler Johnson, who yeah. was, you know, as not, it's not as good as he once was. Right. But he was really a dynamic player five or six years ago. But, the Blackhawks traded for him, and you know, guys get buried in that Tampa team. That he might—he still. What do you think he's got left? You know, I mean, he kind of got buried on the fourth line a lot for Tampa Bay when they were fully healthy. Um, you know, when they were resting guys or whatever, he would—he showed an inability to still filter on up the lineup and seem to play okay. I mean, like you said, he's not as dynamic as he used to be, but he still skates really well. He's still defensively responsible, um, you know, still chipped in a little bit in the playoffs. It, he's highly, highly respected in the locker room and every, you know, just like Fleury, everybody seems to love this guy and, you know, kind of been a winner at every level sort of thing. But at the same time, you know, he's overpaid by, probably two to two and a half million dollars. I mean, I think he can still play on a third line and contribute. I mean, uh, I, I don't see that as an issue and, you know, you're getting rid of the Brent Seabrook contract, which, you know, was just going to eat up cap space, even on long-term injury reserve, injured reserve, it still hinders you to get an actual valid player back in Tyler Johnson is, a good move in my opinion, you know, uh, hopefully he's still got enough left in him to, to fill a third line role this year. And then, you know, you just kind of play it out the next two years and see, you know, eventually maybe you have to retain a bunch of salary and, and, um, you know, attach some draft picks to get rid of them. But I think for, at least for next year, which seems to be a big focus with, you know, obviously with flurry only on a one-year deal with Lincoln and only on a one-year deal, with Connor Murphy set to be a free agent as well. They, they seem to want to load up a little bit here. And so, you know, Carpenter, not Carpenter, Johnson can still, can still contribute there. And so, I, you know, uh, a lot of fans were upset, you know, like, oh, why are you helping out Tampa? Oh, the Blackhawks aren't so worried about helping out or hindering Tampa. They're concerned with improving their own roster mm-hmm. and, and they're not going to be in the um, same division as Tampa this year. Anyway, right. So yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter. The, the Eastern conference is going to be an absolute meat grinder and the Blackhawks don't care one whit about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I just, I, you know, I, I don't have an issue with, with the deal at all. Um, you know, obviously you don't want a bunch of bad contracts, but, it's a bad contract swap, but at least they're getting a player that can contribute yes. at a lower, you know, and at a lower cap it. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, yes. and, right, so now um, this is a, a guy I'm going to, I'm going to admit, I don't watch any Sabres games. So I don't know much about Jake McCabe. 
Yeah, I, I did. Sounds not, like a solid guy. Yeah, I did not watch Saber Sabers games this year because they were, you know, obviously mm-hmm. a pretty disappointing team. Um, and on top of that, McCabe didn't actually play very much this year um, as he suffered a very serious knee injury. I think he mm-hmm. tore his ACL, MCL, and meniscus. Um, I think it was like 12 or 13 games into the season. Yeah. But he was apparently playing at a very high level um, up until that point. And, you know, but he is a guy that I have seen on and off the last couple of years. Um, He is got good size. He's got good mobility. You know, he is, you know, nobody's a consistent physical player in the NHL anymore outside of a handful of guys. Mm -hmm. But as far as, you know, the, what you need him to do throwing his weight around, he's willing to do that. Um, and he's pretty good at defending his own blue line, but then he, he, he's shown a pretty darn good ability to be good inside his own zone. The Blackhawks have had some guys that are, you know, they've, they've been acquiring some guys that they've, you know, tried to kind of fill that role with Calvin DeHaan, with uh, Olimata, with, um, uh, Nikita Zadorov and to varying degrees, those guys have succeeded sort of in that role, but they've all had the handicap of being dreadful offensive players. Mm-hmm. And in particular, not being able to transition the puck back no. out of the defensive. So a lot of turnovers, lots of turnovers or just, you know, yeah, you know, just struggling to kind of trigger the offense from the back end. McCabe has the ability to defend the way that those guys do while at the same time not being a, you know, elite trigger man, but he can pass, not the puck. A liability. he can skate the puck, he can transition the puck. And so I think he is a legit top four defenseman, potentially even borderline top pair as far as, you know, he's not going to be a guy that can carry a top pair, but hopefully Seth Jones is capable of yes. doing that. While McCabe can be a good compliment to him. But so at you're the same thinking, time, yeah. As of right yeah. now, your hope is you get Jones and McCabe on the top. And then Murphy is the third in the third spot, you know, third best yep. defenseman. And somebody fourth. Right. You know, that's going to be the big question. And I do think McCabe fits alongside Murphy too, if they decide mm-hmm. to go that route. I, I, I he, he's got a versatile enough game where uh, I think he can fit with either guy. So that gives them some flexibility. Mm-hmm. However, regardless of whether he plays with Murphy or he plays with Jones, who's going to be that second left-handed yeah. defenseman? I mean, Duncan Keith's not around anymore. Zadorov, they deal, they dealt for a third uh, round pick. So who's going to be that guy that steps up? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the Oilers thought Caleb Jones was ready to kind of fill that role Mm -hmm. last year. He kind of failed at that and eventually kind of tumbled down their um, uh, depth chart by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Does he maybe bounce back with a better opportunity? And so, you know, then you get into, okay, well, maybe he'd want to play with his brother. I don't, I don't know that I want Caleb Jones on the top. No, (laughs) no. I don't think that's a good idea, but is it out of the realm of possibility he Mm -hmm. could fill in next to Connor Murphy? 
I don't know. I need to see it, but yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it um, makes a nice uh, story for your broadcast for the game, right. but I don't know if you want to see it. Exactly. No, I think I think more ideally he fills in as the third, the third pairing lefty, but then maybe works his way up if you know if he earns it. Um, the two guys, you know, the two returnees who maybe have the best odds of doing it would be Wyatt Kalanuk, who mm-hmm. does skate well enough, does have some offensive. I would like um, him to be like bottom, like but like sixth or fifth defenseman. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably where he's best suited right now, but at the same time, they don't really have that fourth guy. They might be forced. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, is it Kalanick? Is it Jones? Or do they have to fall back on Calvin DeHaan if he is still even on the roster? We don't know. And as you were saying, you're okay. On Twitter, you were at a pretty good thread about you're not, you're hoping they get rid of DeHaan. You know, I mean, I can see scenarios where maybe he can still fit. I mean, could he play alongside Seth Jones? And then you use McCabe with Murphy. Maybe. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't think DeHaan um, can hold up against, you know, top pairing um, deployment. I think ideally he's another third pairing defenseman, you know, but one who's experienced and can help on the penalty kill, that sort of thing. But at the same time, you've got Jones, you've got Kalanuk, you've got Riley Stillman, who brings the same kind of physical element that Calvin DeHaan does, but skates better yeah. and is hopefully more consistently healthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got these guys that, you know, Stillman signed for three years. Kalanuk and Jones are only signed for this year, but they're both restricted free agents mm-hmm. that you hope could maybe stick around for a while. Is Calvin DeHaan just kind of getting in the way? Would the Hawks be better moving him with the intention of using that cap space and then maybe attaching one of these other young defensemen because they still have a bit of an overflow because you got Stillman, you got Kalanick, you got Jones. And then beyond that, you've got Ian Mitchell, you've got Nick Baudin. Mm -hmm. You know, could you maybe move Calvin DeHaan and one of those young guys and get an upgrade for that? that second pair, somebody that can slide in yeah, next yeah. to Connor Murphy. So, I mean, to me, that is the ideal situation. It's just whether or not they can pull that off. And I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I'll ask you real quick. Do you think, would you, what would you feel is more likely to improve this year? Mitchell or Bodin? For this year, I think yeah. Mitchell probably has a slightly better chance of, of helping this year. Um, he's also helped by the fact that he's right-handed. And as of right now, you've got Jones and you've got Murphy, and that's it on the right side. I mean, Callum yeah. can play the right side. Stillman can play the right side. Caleb Jones can play the right side. But ideally, you'd like a righty over there. Mm-hmm. And so if, if Mitchell um, – you know, kind of takes another step forward. There were times last year where he was a solid third pairing mm-hmm. right-handed defenseman, um, but he just kind of wore down as the season goes along. So if he's improved his strength and, you know, uh, makes some moves, I, you know, I certainly think he's capable of filling that, that role. So you um, think uh, long-term though, I think yeah, Bodad's better long-term. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and, and Mitchell is a year older. He's got, you know, a little more experience playing against bigger, stronger guys having come from college as opposed to Baudin who, um, you know, spent that extra year in juniors. Um, but at the same time, Baudin got more AHL time. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's just kind of a balance there. Um, you wouldn't be shocked if they package one of them to try to get some cap space. I, I wouldn't necessarily want to just trade one of them just to get cap space. I, I would be willing to trade one of them if it meant getting a legit top four left-handed okay. defenseman. That, that's how I would kind of view that. Um, I mean, I guess, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily mind moving Mitchell. I, I, I think his ceiling is probably a number four at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ideally he's probably always going to kind of be a third pairing guy. Um, whereas Nick Baudin, I think does definitely have top four. Especially potential. on the offensive end. Right. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, he, he moves the puck. Well, it's just, is his skating and size combination good enough? I mean, he's never going to be a real physical player, but is he going to be able to skate well enough to get himself out of trouble mm-hmm. and, and contribute enough offensively? We'll see. I think the, the jury's still out on that, but I, I like Nick Baudin's smarts. I like his aggressiveness. So I, I do think he's got a chance at that. But, you know, then at the same time, the Blackhawks have a lot more depth on the left side than they do on the right side. So yeah. if the right deal came along where, you know, you could get a, a legit top four left-handed defenseman and you had to give up Nick Baudin to do that, I'd be willing to consider it because then... And I'm no. sure that... Um... Blackhawks are trying because they've been super aggressive. So um... yeah, I mean, this is clearly, you know, their intention is, hey, we've got Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, Seth Jones. We've got, you know, Alex DeBrinkett. So, um, you know, they've got top line talent now. Mm-hmm. and who knows how long they're actually going to still be good for. Yes. Did you, you get know. the sense that some kind of commands coming from ownership or whatever that we want to make the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's you would think that that direction is coming from them, but at the same time, maybe they saw this as, hey, you know, Seth Jones is mm-hmm. still a mid-20s, getting into his later 20s, but you know, there's just not many opportunities. This is a rare opportunity. A rare opportunity to get a potential top pairing right-handed defenseman. Mm-hmm. And they took advantage of that. And then once they did that, I mean, when, when, when they made that trade, I, I said it multiple times on Twitter. I was like, in isolation, this is a terrible, terrible move. Yes. Because it's committed them to a, you know, a three to five year window. Mm-hmm. And by giving up the assets to get Jones, yeah. Where do they get additional top line talent exactly. to, to actually take advantage of that window? I wasn't expecting them to be able to just luck into Marc-Andre Fleury for mm-hmm. literally nothing. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to be able to get an actual player for Brent Seabrook, mm-hmm. you know, so props to them on for both of those. Obviously, there's big risk involved in those, just like there is with the Seth Jones deal. There's big risk in the Jake McCabe deal mm-hmm. if, in fact, the knee injury is serious enough where it's going to affect him long term. We just don't know yeah. any of those. So Blackhawks are taking on a ton of risk, but 
it is potential. There is the potential that this can work out, out, but there's still a little work to do. I mean, they still don't have that answer. They don't have the the number four defenseman and they're still missing one top six forward. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got Kane, you've got Taves, you've got Cat, you've got Kubalik. Who's the sixth guy? And and Doc, yeah. You know, and you've got Doc. I, I they're they're obviously betting on Doc is mm-hmm. a top six center. I mean, he's a third overall pick. He's shown the flashes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation that at this point he's going to be ready to step mm-hmm. in and fill that role. Yeah, and you're hoping but, like maybe someone like a Kurashev keeps getting better, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like on defense where, you know, is it out of the realm of possibility Kalnick or Baudin or – um, Caleb Jones or somebody steps up and takes over that fourth number four defenseman. No, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And, uh, you know, they have guys that potential have that potential to do the same thing for that, that sixth top six forward, whether it is Kurashev or Alex Nylander or um, Henrik Borgstrom. Uh, even Adam Gaudet has an outside mm-hmm. chance at, at doing that. You know, I, Dylan Strom, uh, if he's still yeah. going to be around, you know, he's, he's, he's filled that role in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not on the realm of possibility that he could do it again, but you know, they don't have a short the guy thing there. Yeah. there. I guarantee. So, yeah. So if they really are going kind of all in, so to speak this season, I wouldn't mind them still pursuing that mm-hmm. one more top six forward and a legit top four defenseman. Yeah. So um, just a couple of little moves that, um, you know, the uh, expansion draft, that was a no John Quenville. <laughs> that was like, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked they didn't take Gaudet. Um, the Blackhawks, I, I, I think they made the right move not, protecting Zadorov, I didn't have an issue with that. Um, you know, they, they, you know, Stillman was willing to sign Kayla Jones. I mean, he's at least young, younger than Zadorov. So maybe he's got a better chance. So I, I didn't really have an issue there. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing like, yeah, yeah. And they good. got a third round pick. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, the one thing that I questioned was, uh, protecting camp over Gaudet simply because I did expect camp to not necessarily get a qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. I was very concerned. Yep. Um, I, I had yep, said, I wouldn't, I would not pay more than a million and a half dollars for David camp. That's the most he is, you know, worth. And that's mm-hmm. even, you know, and that's if his offense ever, you know, even emerges yep. anymore. Um, so I was very concerned that they were going to end up signing him to like a $2 million contract and that by protecting him in the expansion draft, that that was the signal yep. that they were making. So that upset me, but, yes. but of course, then the Maple Leafs, uh, yeah, they signed him to a two year, you know, two year, one and a half million dollar contract. I think that's a solid deal for, for camp and for the, the Maple Leafs. I, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. I, um, but at the same time, Blackhawks, you know, essentially we're able to get a somewhat of a replacement. Uh, I, I butcher his name. I think it's Kara. Yeah. Kyra. I, I can, I, I, I struggle Kyra with his name. Bad. 
Yeah. Um, it's better that we don't trade it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I do watch the occasional Oilers game because they are fun to watch. And, you know, obviously in the bubble as well, we saw them, but um, you know, he's a, he's a big rangy guy mm-hmm. has skates skates pretty decently for a big guy. Uh, he's been pretty defensively responsible throughout his career is coming off of a kind of a down year, but he's still young enough. And, you know, they only signed him for 975 K yeah. so you can bury him if he's terrible. I, you yeah. know, it's, it, you know, he's, I think he's probably better on the wing than he is at center, but he at least gives them you know, some flexibility there. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, my feeling on Ryan Carpenter, he just kind of is yeah. what he is. No need uh, for... This guy is basically the left-handed version of Ryan Carpenter. I mean, okay. You know, he's, he's a, He's a warm body on the on the back mm-hmm. or on in on the fourth line that you know hopefully you play plays low event hockey where you know you put him out there for eight to ten minutes and you just hope that no goals are scored on the side of the ice yes. sort of thing just suck up time and so I, yeah. yeah I was gonna ask um so were you um Pius Suter you were all right with him or um. Yeah, I mean, just kind of is what it is. Um, you know, he kind of falls in between, um, you know, the Dominique Kubalik success and the, um, oh gosh, now I'm totally drawing a blank on his oh, name. Um, Cahoon. Cahoon, thank you. Um, I think Suter is better than Cahoon, but, but no, he was definitely no propped up. Yeah, he was definitely propped up by the fact that he got to play first line center for Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinket for, you know, probably 60% of the season. And, you know, the fact that he had arbitration rights, I think there was a very good chance he was going to get overpaid. And Blackhawks just couldn't yep. take that risk, especially he since did get, yeah. he did get overpaid, kind of. Yeah, well, I mean, out. you know, I mean, around Not three and a half million, at least it's on a short term deal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a terrible risk for them, but for the Blackhawks where you have, you know, a few guys that kind of fill a similar, you know, is he a borderline top six third liner? I mean, you've already got, you you already picked up Borkstrom, you've got Strom, you've got Nylander, you've got Kurashev. They're all kind of that same skilled, not particularly physical, it's a lot of the same type of player. And I think the Blackhawks decided, Hey, you know, for that cap space, yeah, you know, we'd rather have somebody who brings a different skill set. And, you know, I think yep. th- that allowed them to sign Jake McCabe at this point. Yeah. All those other options are pretty yeah. much the same as. Right. Suter I mean, Suter's a little Schumer. older, a little, you know, I guess you could say he's a little more proven um, given the year that he's coming off of. But at the same time, I don't think he's got any higher ceiling than these mm-hmm. other guys, and they're all making like a million dollars, whereas he's yeah, going to so. be making three and a half million. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we were going to talk more about the draft. It was going to be a bigger focus, but yeah, part of the Seth Jones trade, the Blackhawks moved down all the way to thirty-second pick. Now I don't know if the, was the thirty-second pick part of. The traders that separate. yes he was yeah so the Blackhawks gave up 
Boquist, they gave up their first round pick this year, their first round pick next year. And then I think it was a third round pick. Okay. Or no, a second round, one of their second round picks this year, but then they got um, Columbus's third first round pick. They had, they had three first round picks. Yeah. Um, I think they got the one from Tampa. I think it was the pick from Tampa Bay that they got for David Savard at the Mm -hmm. trade deadline. So, yeah, so they kind of moved up from like the mid second round into the the last pick of the first round. And uh, yeah, so they use that um, on Nolan Allen, who is a physical left handed defenseman. Are you sensing a theme here? Yes. Um, (laughs) I'm sort of intrigued by his skill set i mean he's got size he's got physicality he moves pretty well um i do think he's got to get a little stronger on his skates from the little bit of video i was able to see you know he's falling on the falling down a few more times than i would like to see um he just needs to brace for contact a little better that Mm -hmm. sort of thing improve his balance but that i'm pretty confident that'll probably come with time yeah that's what you were um you were saying um when the pick was made, he was kind of a an off the board pick, so you, you hadn't actually seen any. Right. Yeah, I, he was not somebody. You know, well, especially since the Blackhawks were planning on picking eleventh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I didn't look beyond probably about thirty guys. Um, you know, that were kind of consensus first round picks. Um, I think a lot of people had Allen more slated as a second round guy, but Blackhawks clearly see something in him. I think there's maybe a little more offensive potential than what he showed uh, as a junior player. Uh, He played a very, very safe game in the, in the, in the games that I watched um, where he was always the last man back. He never Mm -hmm. really pushed the pace, never took risks in the offensive zone. But when he did have the puck, he seemed to make, pretty decent passes, you know, like I said, safe, smart plays, but, you know, if given the opportunity, could he maybe do a little more? Mm-hmm. It's a potentially know, yeah. yes, but, you know, it, at the same time, on the first round pick, even at the 32nd overall, would I have preferred somebody with a little more offense, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a little, a little more bit, two-way yeah. ability? Uh, probably, but at the same time, you know, when I watch him, I, I can see shades of like a Nick Chalmerson type. Uh, he's got kind of the same size, same reach, uh, kind of the same mobility. Um, but, you know, I think and one of the gonna, under... Yeah, yeah we're going to get into um, Chalmerson in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, I was going to ask you real quick, because I know how you think. Were you looking at the pick for number 12 and... Were the, the people there that you wanted the Blackhawks to pick? Were they there? Did they make it? Um, yeah, I did expect both goaltenders to be there. And I did uh, expect Cole Sillinger to be there, um, as well as Matt Coronado. Um, Columbus used the pick on Cole Sillinger. He was kind of at the top of my list, depending on whether or not what the Blackhawks thought of the goaltenders. Mm-hmm. I myself, I, you know, I watched some of the goaltenders, but scouting goaltenders is nearly freaking impossible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody has a great handle on it outside of, you know, a few people. I was just sort of in the boat where if the Blackhawks like one of those goaltenders, fine. I got no problem with it. There was a bit of a drop off after the top nine guys. So, you know, I just was like, Hey, if one of those goaltenders, if they like them, great. If not, um, Cylinder was the guy that I was kind of hoping, uh, that they would have an opportunity to take. And like I said, Columbus took him, uh, with the, the pick they got from the Hawks. I mean, I think he's a second line winger, um, that can maybe play a little center. Um, but you know, I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't see him as a, uh, you know, a, a home run pick or anything, but I, I thought he was a good safe pick. And then Matt Coronado went next. Um, I, to me, it was kind of Sillinger or one of the two goaltenders mm-hmm. or um, Fabian Liesel was uh, the other kind of higher or Chaz Lucius. And, and all those guys went kind of like 12, uh, 12 through 20. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it basically played out the way I expected other than I thought William Eklund is the, the best forward in this draft. And he went, I think he's like the fourth forward taken. Yeah. Um, I kind of expected him to be the, the second or third one picked, but other than that, I, not, nothing really surprised me. Um, uh, uh, the Senators taking Tyler Boucher at, at 10 um, was yeah. a bit of a surprise. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, really, I, the, the first round played out yeah. pretty, pretty other close. Than- I mean, uh, Jesper Wallstead falling as far as yeah. did shocked me a little bit, not, uh, you know, normally I wouldn't be surprised about a goalie falling, but. Um, and then like we could do a whole separate podcast on the uh, Canadians pick. Yuck. Yeah. Just but, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, you know, but then, uh, you know, the Blackhawks had entered the draft with two second round picks. Uh, and I mm-hmm. said, one of them got moved in the uh, deal for Jones, but they did keep the second one. And they pick Colton Doc, who, yes. you know, obviously you may have heard of his brother. Yeah. Yeah. Little brother of Kirby. Um, another, Hey, big rangy um, guy with a good shot. Um, uh, yeah. He's obviously question, not questionable skating. Yeah. He's obviously not Kirby, but he's, no, he's not Kirby, but he does have some skill and he's got mm-hmm. size um, does not move like Kirby doc does. I mean, we've seen Kirby doc. He's an above average skater despite his size. So he's Colton more doc, of a, more of a Dylan Strom type. Um, I think he moves maybe, skill, maybe, but... maybe a little better than Strom. Okay. Um, but no, he's not the type of passer Dylan Strom is. Yeah. Um, but Colton doc does have a good shot. Um, smart in the offensive zone, but in the same way that uh, Dylan Strom does not help you in transition, mm-hmm. Colton Doc is not going to help you in transition either. Yeah. He's a guy that he can help you in the defensive zone, get it up to the neutral zone, let one of his wingers and or center, if he is playing mm-hmm. wing, uh, those guys got to carry it through. But then once you get it into the offensive zone, he knows where to go. He's willing to go to the dirty areas. He's willing to shoot the puck and he makes some pretty smart, passes too. I, he, he's, he's, he can play make a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was kind of expected to go late second, somewhere in the third round, Blackhawks got him at the end of the second. So, uh, that, 
Are there any other um, Blackhawks picks you really liked? You know, I am not familiar with really any of their remaining picks with um, kind of the lack of uh, juniors games. and It's hard um, this year, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I wasn't, I didn't get to do a, much of a deep dive beyond kind of the first round players. Um, they did take, they, they did, uh, trade a future third round pick to, to get another third round mm-hmm. or to get a third round pick, uh, to get a gigantic defenseman, mm-hmm. um, who, uh, you know, those, those huge defensemen generally don't work out, yeah. but Hoping you know, he's, Chara, yeah. yeah, you know, it's a, it's kind of a fun story. He's from Glasgow, mm-hmm. uh, originally, but you know, he's been in Canada. He played, at, you know, at a lower junior level, but, you know, just big and he, he can skate and, but, you know, just that theme, the Blackhawks are really Into putting an emphasis on size. And I just, it, it scares me a little bit that they're, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time when they were kind of shoehorning in, you know, they, they drafted all of these smaller puck moving defensemen. Yes. And then they got them all there and they realized, hey, we can't They're just win smaller. with smaller puck mounting defensemen. So now, we we'll really guys guys. now we're getting Vlasic, we're getting Harding, we're getting Allen. And it's just like at some point you're going to end up with a bunch of these guys and they're going to be well, like, they're going to oh. have a bunch of uh, D pairs with a uh, tiny with guys no, and huge guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously that's what they're hoping. But at the same time, it's just like, I think you're just going to end up in a situation like you do now where it's like, oh, well, now all we have are big guys who can't move the puck, yep. and uh, I just—it's weird. I—I yeah. I wish they would have bet on a little more upside with at least one of their picks, but it just is what it is. I—I yep. I can't control that. All right. Well, I guess we'll close. Um, as we were talking about before, uh, Nicholas Holmerson mm-hmm. officially retired. Yep. And I mean, we've talked about it before. And, Obviously, the most, yeah, the most underrated Blackhawks defenseman in a long time, if if ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I, honestly, I'm I'm willing to say if uh, ever, mm-hmm. you know, well, it, at least as long as I've been alive. Yes, um, can't speak to the '70s and '60s and that, but um, yeah, I mean, he was amazing. Um, you know, doesn't didn't get a lot of spotlight because the offensive numbers weren't really there. Um, I do think part of that is not so much that he was unskilled. I think it was, he did prefer to play a safer game and he knew his role sort of thing. Every once in a while he would, you know, put on the, you know, put a crazy move on somebody and you'd go, what, where did that come from? And I mean, you had a good shot. I mean, yeah, you know, you had a pretty good shot, but yeah. Yep, just didn't, um, you know, played a different role. But I, I honestly don't think that there was any better defenseman who consistently denied the blue line, mm-hmm. kept a tight gap. I mean, uh, Duncan Keith was phenomenal at it too. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of those guys disrupted so many plays in the neutral zone or stopped them dead cold at their own blue line. 
and prevented the puck from ever getting in the D zone. And just it, they turned it around and quickly got it back up to the forwards. Those two guys were such a key part of the Blackhawks possession game. They were just absolutely incredible in the neutral zone and at their own blue. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone talks about all the minutes that Keith put up, at, especially mm-hmm. in 2015, but Jalmerson was right there. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, um, I don't think it is a coincidence that, you know, in that 2015, I mean, Keith was amazing, but there were times when Keith, when he was paired with Seabrook or mm. they tried, you know, it wasn't as good. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work as well. And they had to keep going back to putting uh, Jalmerson with him. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, at, at that point, I, I honestly think Jalmerson might have been as good, if not better than Keith mm-hmm. as an actual defenseman. Keith obviously still had the offense over yes. him, but um, as far as actual defending, I, I think Jalmerson was probably as good or better. Yeah. And I think that. And the know, way he, um, he played too with all those shot blocks. And yep. It took a huge toll on him. Huge toll. Yeah. Like I when mean, he was in Arizona, he was just a shell of himself. Right. You know, and he was still not bad. <laughs> you know, no, he, still, he was. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was still, still probably an average player. Still beat last up. Yeah. Um, he was definitely not a guy that was going to last into his mid thirties. I think even at times during his Blackhawks career, he had even mentioned a few times. He's like, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no chance I'm playing until I'm 35. No. I, you know, I might, I'd be lucky to make it to 30. I think he made it to what? 32. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, he even lasted longer than he expected, but you know, just great player, fun interview, <laughs> um, you know, and, Definitely my favorite defenseman from the cup era. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just, I, I loved watching the guy. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I, you know, my heart hated that trade when it happened, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was trade. probably the right move. Uh, he was, it was clear he was about to kind of drop off and you know maybe that first year of that deal he was still the better player than murphy but those last couple of years yeah you know i mean no, murphy's not at the good. level yeah i mean murphy's he's not, he's not at the level that jolmerson used to be no. but he's been be- the, the player a better player than jolmerson the last mm-hmm. two years and then obviously yeah. he's still got another year on his deal so i mean that was the right that was the right trade mm-hmm. but at the same time you know obviously it, it hurt me to see him go yep and yeah, I think uh, I think we've covered everything that's gone yeah, on. I, I think so. Yeah, I can't really think of anything else. I mean, obviously, we covered the ridiculousness of. Well, I shouldn't say the ridiculousness. The just the, the disgusting um, uh, cover up. I guess it would be the proper word for it. Um, and that's still going I, I, on. And yeah. And like I don't think that we stuff. should, yeah, we sh- definitely shouldn't forget to continue to mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That's definitely regardless of how big away. of a moves. Yeah. Regardless of how big of a move the Blackhawks make on the ice, the biggest story for the team is still what happened. Who knew what? Yes. Did they actually put anybody in danger? And 
you know, what are the, what, what are going to be the repercussions from this? And yep. yeah, I, that, that needs to stay a story. Yeah. So. And between that and the, um, the Canadians picket, is that a good PR week for the I NHL? Just, <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't help that Bergeron, you know, a former Blackhawks yeah, former executive with, yeah, with this, with this group. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just awful, awfulness. And, you know, and then you got, uh, what's his name? D'Angelo signing in yeah, Carolina. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. It's just, uh, the NHL is still, the NHL is still the NHL. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's still a very old school element to it. There's, it's still an old boys club a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it, it, it's had, numerous 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 issues with sexual assault yes, and yes. you know it's it's been it's been rampant you know and then the racism on top of that um mm-hmm. you know i would like to believe that all this stuff is changing and changing yes quickly but you would hope. we know it's not and it's not. um yeah i just i wish as the in, sport would progress a little more yes. as in all sports it's this old guard that we've got to try to get broken down in all these sports Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we we will be back at some point. Mm-hmm. The Blackhawks are going to keep their the way they've been they've been making moves. Yeah, they're going to keep doing stuff. So. Yeah, I mean they've still got you know a couple of extra forwards probably. They still got the little bit of a log jam at the back end of their defensive core. So I I don't think they're done. I think they're mm-hmm. still probably one or you know, a move on the, on the defense and a move on the offense to still make. And then, you know, we've still got the question of is Marc-Andre Fleury going to play? And if he's not, what are the Blackhawks going to do with that cap space and who else are they going to get to play in goal? Mm -hmm. So, So yeah. We might take a couple weeks off, but if something big happens, we'll hop right back on. Absolutely. All right. And everyone, um, I am STH85. On Twitter, Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. And you can subscribe to our podcast on the Apple Podcast app and give us a rating and a review if you could. Yeah, we'll be back as news comes in and go Hawks.